Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org.
we established a prayer room and we're seeking after him and there's been so many great testimonies. Please come if you're part of this body. It's been incredible. The second step was within the community, before we can be in unity, we have to understand that we have to pursue holiness individually to be able to be in unity with the body of Christ because that is the pursuit of the body of Christ. That's a crazy echo. Wow. <laughs> Am I the only one that hears that? I'm preaching to myself. Whoa. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, okay, so last week we talked about commitment to the community. Understanding that we cannot fulfill the desire of God's heart without committing to the body of Christ. That he did not just die so that we could have our Christianity individually at home. But that we would be in community, committed to that community together, operating as one body, all different parts in unity. Amen? And that we really need to commit to that body. And today we get to talk about community, uh, communication and confrontation. And I truly believe that um, there is increased measures of darkness that we see in our own country, right? And I believe that darker days and deeper division are going to come within the next few months. And to me, I see an opportunity for the body of Christ to shine brighter. To shine so bright that everybody that you know is going to want to know where you find your joy, where you find your peace, why you don't always have to say your opinion, how come you just feel so um, joyful still right now with everything that's going on. We have this great opportunity to represent Jesus and to tell them there is a different way, a higher way, and that is the way of Jesus Christ. But remember, revival comes to the house of God first, and we are the house of God. So our hearts need to be revived in the pursuit of God, united together. Amen? All right. Communication and confrontation can be very uncomfortable. So, you might ask yourself, why would I place myself into an uncomfortable position for something that really isn't that important to me, right? Because a lot of people have a very, very hard time with confrontation, with saying to somebody, you hurt my feelings, or with saying to somebody, that, that just, that's not right. Um, and last week we spoke about commitment. But the Lord put something specific on my heart before we jump into that communication. And that is that being a part of the body of Christ is a privilege. And I don't know if you know that. And I don't think that I had this revelation in this way until this week when God spoke it to my heart. And I want to just speak really briefly to restore you're understanding that it is a privilege. And if you've never had that understanding, that you would be awakened to the understanding that being a part of the body of Christ is a deep privilege. We don't like that word, right? We've been taught not to like that word. When we treat community and communion with the body of Christ casually, we are not understanding properly what has taken place. How many of you know what it means to be grafted into the family of God? That you are grafted into the family of God. Well, this is awesome. Okay. Grafting is when, and if you know me, you know I love houseplants. I love propagating, and I'm going to learn how to graft. Um, yeah. Grafting in is when you take a branch of a 
separate tree and you splice into the healthy existing tree a spot and you stick that branch into the tree and that branch learns to grow together with it it gets its nourishment and all of its energy and its life source within that new tree you as Gentiles, most of you, I, I believe, are Gentiles. That's how we're referred to in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have been grafted in to the people of God. We had no shot. There was no way possible that we could enter into the family of God without the blood of Jesus. This is a privilege. He has taken us off of the streets and into the palace. We could have never worked our way into that. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? Yeah. Romans 11:17 says this, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, now you share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Our position in the body of Christ is a position of privilege. It is privilege without pride though, because we may, we have to stay dependent to be in this position, but it is a deep privilege. And we have been taught that privilege is a dirty word. We don't like that word because we equate it with stating that we have something better or we are better. And most of the time, this comes from the opinions of people outside of whatever that privilege might be. Am I making sense? I am. Are you listening? <laughs> we have become, as the church, so culturally sensitive that we have denied our own position in Christ as privileged to the world, which has led us to forsake how precious and important being in the body of Christ is. We have downplayed how absolutely wonderful it is to be saved from death and rescued into life and adopted into royalty. We literally never had a shot but Jesus. But for fear of offending others, and I break that off in Jesus' name. For fear of offending others, we have forfeited proclaiming and believing how glorious it is to be adopted into a royal family with a king as a father. And we cannot dim our light about it anymore. We have a privileged position. You have a privileged position in Christ. The world desires this, guys. You must walk in it and understand you are privileged in Jesus. Here is the thing about this privilege, though, unlike every other privilege in the world. It is not based on merit. It is not based on how much money you have. It is not based on your skin color. It is not based on your skills. It is available to everyone. But, and this is the offensive part, but it's the part that we proclaim, it is only available through Jesus Christ. Amen? This family 
is only available, this position is only available through following Jesus. Remaining in this family, scripture says, is only available when you pursue Jesus with a laid down life. If you've never heard this before, it's okay. We're all on a journey together. Amen? But please listen. Lay your life down for the purposes of Jesus. So what does this have to do with confrontation and communication? Here's the thing, if we don't understand that this is a privilege, being in this community, being in this body of Christ, why on earth would we subject ourselves to confrontation, to being uncomfortable, to being corrected? Why? We could just leave. Why would I, why would I, why am I gonna let this person tell me what to do? Why am I gonna let this person point out this? Why am I gonna let this, why am I gonna be hurt by this person? No, I'll just walk away, it's not important. But it is a privilege to be part of this family. And we have to remain committed for the sake of Jesus to get glory on this earth and allow ourselves to continue to be molded and shaped. Amen? Amen, I'll say it. This community should be marked by love. We talked about that last week. They will know you by the way you love one another. They will know you by the way you love one another, by the way you prefer one another. They will know us also by the way we honor one another. We should be marked by honor. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Imagine your relationships were marked by outdoing one another in honor. Confrontation, godly confrontation comes through the body of Christ. And this confrontation is not fighting. This confrontation is not fighting the person. This confrontation is confronting sin. Do you understand? We're not here confronting and fighting each other. Here comes mama. <laughs> Did you guys hear what I said? You're not confronting, fighting each other. You're confronting the sin in one another because we love one another. Galatians 6 says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We deeply need each other to grow in Christ, to help one another when we're suffering or when we fail. Galatians 6.1 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We are called to help one another walk in our common goal as a body, which is holiness, which is looking Christ-like, representing Jesus, bringing his kingdom through our very own lives. And now I know, I know that a lot of you are in process, and I know in the past three weeks, God has really stirred it up, and it's just so beautiful to hear the testimonies of reconciliation, to hear the testimonies of desiring to walk in holiness, to hear the testimonies of pulling down strongholds from your childhood. I am so deeply encouraged. So don't take this as I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This is just tearing the veil so we can see where we're supposed to go as a community together. Amen?
So, judgment versus judgment. A lot of you guys have heard, uh, and it's common language, like, you can't judge me, only God can judge me, right? We shouldn't judge one another, right? I'm not sure where you heard that from, but it's pretty common language. But when we read the Bible, we see something very different that it tells us within the body of Christ. And this is going to get good, guys. <laughs> You're all like, oh my gosh. <laughs> First Corinthians 5.12 says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders, meaning people outside the body of Christ? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So we are not to judge God says the wages of sin is death. God says all have fallen short of the glory of God. So if you are outside of the body of Christ, why do we don't need to pr pronounce that judgment upon somebody. We know that they are in death. Do you understand? But we are to judge the church. Well, that doesn't sound too nice, Pastor Crystal. <laughs> Jesus said, do not judge. For the measure that you judge, you will be judged. Did he not say that? Jesus said that. He said that the measure that you judge, you will be judged. And this is glorious news to the believer. This is why we can judge one another. Because our judgment to one another is unto Christ crucified. We know that the judgment proclaimed about one another is holiness, purity, righteousness, and full forgiveness. So when I look at you guys and I judge you as a Christian, all I see, all I can say, all I can proclaim is the judgment of Jesus, which is that you are pure, holy, righteous, forgiven. Do you understand that? That is the judgment that we give one another. So when it says that we are to judge one another in Christ, it means that we are to call one another up. That we are to call out the things that are not what your judgment is. We are calling one another to walk in the things that Jesus has purchased for all of us. You're not judging each other to give a sentence of death and condemnation. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses us unto death and condemnation. There is a difference between holding somebody accountable to live in who they are positionally and accusing them. And the difference is the motive of the action. Because the truth is that I can hear the very same correction and I can either hear the enemy's voice speaking condemnation over me or I can hear the Holy Spirit saying, you should have nothing to do with that. Come on, that's not who you are. Right? One of these judgments is to restore unto identity and one of these judgments is to tear down your identity. When we judge within the body of Christ, it is always 
to restore identity. Judging someone's sin unto death and holding someone accountable to their identity in Christ are two separate things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Judgment has to do with a sentence and a verdict on a crime. Ungodly judgment comes with a verdict of death. Christ-like judgment comes in the body of Christ with a verdict of life, and the accountability has to do with holding each other responsible. Inside the body of Christ, we know that there is judgment unto life, freedom, forgiveness, love. And we are 100% called to hold each other accountable to that. Here's some weird stuff that happens in the body of Christ when we don't confront each other. I'm just laying it out on the table. I'm going to talk about the elephants in the room, the weird stuff that happens. I was talking to my friend who... Uh, was in California and he was a member of a church and he had really failed. I mean, but he was on fire for the Lord. One of those people that you think, oh, nothing will ever happen to them. They just love the Lord. And he really felt hard. And we were talking about it and we were talking about the pursuit of holiness and community and, and the job of the community to help that person, to restore that person. And he was crying to me and he said, you know what I got? I got the Christian cold shoulder. I don't know about you, but I've had it before, and I've given it before. The Christian cold shoulder. When you know that I know what you've done, and I know that you know that I know what you've done, but instead of just sitting down and talking about it, knowing that we understand what we're called to as Christians, we just kind of smile and let it go. The person stops getting invited places. You know, you don't want to spend time with them anymore. Uh, you stop saying hi to them. You stop connecting, communicating, and eventually that person falls away from the body of Christ. Christian cold shoulder. I like to expose the devil. <laughs> this is just exposing the devil. Okay, because when we expose him, when that thing comes up, you can tear it down. Yeah. Amen? So here's another weird thing that happens in the body of Christ when somebody fails and we don't communicate and confront them. Passive aggressiveness. People will make back backhanded comments to one another, hoping that the message of their heart is heard, right? And somehow that the person will apologize to them or change. Honestly, most of the time, the person that you're doing this to probably doesn't know what they've done to you. They don't understand the conflict. They don't know how you were raised. They don't know your ouchy spots. <laughs> you like that? They're living in their own body, in their own perspective, in their own life. If it's a conflict, instead of being angry and offended, Here's an idea, and this is an idea from the Bible. Go talk to that person in gentleness. Explain to them what happened with a heart of reconciliation. But you have to be tender and say, hey, this hurt me. Because I'm going to just get counselor on you. Some of you guys know that I go to school for counseling, Christian counseling. Anger is a secondary emotion. If you are gripped by anger, it means that you've been deeply wounded. 
If you can't help but be angry at somebody, it means that they have deeply, deeply hurt you. You see, it's your defense mechanism. It helps to pr protect you from being hurt again, right? But that's what's so supernatural about the community of Jesus Christ, is that he calls us to lay down our defenses. He calls us to tear down those walls, trusting that he is our vindicator, saying that the blood is enough. You forgave me much, so I will forgive much. But we have to be aware that if we're gripped by anger, we have to tenderize our heart and soften ourselves and say, I'm hurting. I'm really hurting. And look, you might not be received by that person, but guess what? It's not about that person's response. It's about you and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's about you doing what he called you to do. It's about you trusting him for who he says he is. He is your protector. He is your provider. He is your vindicator. He calls you unto forgiveness. The result of not confronting people leads to gossip. A lot of times, people will come to me, and I'm in a different position, so before I was in this position, a lot of people will come to me and say, hey, I just want to get your opinion on this, you know, this happened, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds really good, guys. It sounds good. But the Bible calls that gossip because it gives us instructions, and we're going to go through those instructions. And a lot of times, we're talking about people and trying to get people's opinions of the circumstances, but we're gossiping about them. And we're spreading disunity through the body of Christ. And that is grievous to the Holy Spirit. The result of not confronting people also leads to division. It leads to strife. It leads to bitter roots because you never get to deal with the things that have hurt you. And ultimately, it leads to disunity. Jesus died for a unified church. We cannot allow Satan to come and kill, steal, and destroy these things. And honestly, I would rather in this house have somebody leave because they were confronted in love than keep them around and let them fade away from not being confronted. So how do we confront in a godly way? I feel a convicting, convicting spirit right now of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys feel that. <laughs> I feel conviction of the Holy Spirit. I feel conviction of the Holy Spirit on my own life. I have not arrived in this, guys. This is something that the Lord has been speaking to me every single day. Here's how we confront in a godly way. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. First, we take responsibility for our part. Why do you seek, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? If, through this whole community series, you've said to yourself, hey, 
that's good for that person. I'm not seeing that with this person. The Lord is saying to you, no, daughter, son, look at you. Look at your part. Take responsibility for your part. And listen, that is in every single circumstance. Every single conflict, every single circumstance, we must before we can go to that person, take responsibility for ourselves. Matthew 7, 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What does that mean? Then you will see clearly. Well, here's the thing, if we don't deal with our own junk, it will skew our view of what we think that person is doing to us. We have a perspective and a lot of times we interpret things through this lens because we have this big log and that person wasn't trying to hurt us. I know this. That person wasn't trying to tear us down. It's just the log in our eye that made us interpret it that way, right? So we have to, before we confront somebody, we have to make sure that we're doing the dirty work, the hard work that we talked about in the holiness pursuit, that we take responsibility for ourselves, that we carry our own load within the body of Christ, that we're not just waiting for everybody else around us to change, that we are saying, no, I will start to be the change because everybody around me does not dictate who I am. Only Jesus dictates who I am. And he's telling me to take this log out of my own eye. Even if none of you do this, I'm taking the log out of my own eye. I'm going to work hard to do this because I want to represent Jesus well. And my hope is that you will follow. Amen? Our response to circumstances reveal our own maturity and character. Do you understand that? When I respond to a circumstance, and guys, I just realized I'm pretty, I'm not where I thought I was. And that's okay, because guess what? There will always be this continual pursuit of holiness in our lives. Continual tearing down of things that the enemy have, has built up within us, right? And God is always victorious if we are willing. So uh, I want you to turn now with me to Matthew 18, 15 through 18. 15 through 18, okay? Because we're just going to go through three steps, and this is the last part of this, this message. I want you to look at this. I want you to read this. I want you to understand that this is in the Word of God. So I'm not just making up some weird counseling thing for the way that we should um, interact with each other, right? Matthew 18, 15 through 18. If your brother, because we're in the family of God, a privileged position, sins against you, leave the church and never go back. No, that's not what it says. It says, go tell him his fault between you and him, between you and him, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. You have grown deeper in intimacy with him. If he doesn't listen to you, go talk about him with everybody else. No. 
If he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen then, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even then, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. I've never seen that. I've, I've, ne very, I've never seen that in the church. And that was one of the scriptures that made me say, Lord, are we really operating as your body? And that's when the Lord said the standard is holiness. This is the word of God. It's offensive to some guys. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Jesus is awesome. <laughs> Step one, go to the person yourself. This needs to be the first question we ask someone when they come to us with their circumstance. If someone comes within this body or within the body of Christ to you and goes to tell you a circumstance and new standard being set right now, the first question you ask them before they speak about your brother or sister is, have you gone to them alone? Before they tell you the story. That is the standard now. If you do something else, you are operating outside the guidelines and the scripture for the body of Christ and this house. If you come to me, I'm going to say, did you go to that person alone? This will squash gossip at its roots. Squash, squish. But here's the thing, we don't like confronting people and it's for selfish reasons. It is for fear of what people will think of us. But that's where we need to die to ourselves and our uncomfortable feelings. And we have to have these conversations, understanding that it is the will of our Father that we would be in deep community, in deep intimacy. Do you know the word intimacy, what it means? It means into me you see. Isn't that beautiful? We must die to ourselves. This is where the sacrifice of self takes place for the betterment of others. And we must allow ourselves to be confronted. We cannot justify why we did it. We cannot lie. And we cannot refuse. And guys, this is where the exit process usually takes place. Like we talked about, and this is a big part of where the Lord um, brought me on this journey, is um, this is where most of the exiting process takes place, right within here. Whether you need to confront somebody or you know you're about to be confronted, this is where we move away, and this is why we're dull. Iron sharpens iron. This is the moment, this confrontation with your brother, with your sister, is the moment where you are able to walk in Christ-likeness, in supernatural love, in supernatural forgiveness, in supernatural tenderness, in supernatural trust that God is your protector. But we're exiting this process here. I have this little sign at Teen Challenge on my desk. <laughs> Andrew hated it. He said, put your big girl panties on and get over it. <laughs> Because sometimes we got to get over ourselves. 
so that the Lord may be glorified. I might be really uncomfortable bringing this to you, but I gotta get over it because this is what God calls us to, right? We have to soften our hearts. We have to let down our guard. We have to muster up the strength in gentleness, not in anger, in love, in honor, restoring one another's identity. Hebrews 12:11 says this. For the moment, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'll take it. I might kick and scream a little, but I'll take it. Proverbs 27:6. This is one of my favorite proverbs. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful. When your friend hurts you because of what they're telling you, it hurts to your core, right? The Holy Spirit speaks something to you, and then your friend's like, Ugh, and it hurts. That's a faithful friend in the Lord. It is an enemy when somebody builds you up in the way of sin. That is an enemy to your soul when somebody co-signs the junk in your life. I hear the crickets. <laughs> and here's another thing. If somebody that you've confronted has admitted, you know, you went to them one-on-one, -on -one, has admitted that they have done this wrongdoing, that means that they have begun a process. Just because you've confronted somebody doesn't mean that you can now demand that they're just changed like that. That means that you've, uh, you've invited them into the process they had said yes, because some of these things take a long time journeying with one another to, to be removed. A lot of these things are ingrained in us from childhood. So it's not just a overnight, because then we're just gonna have fake smiles on our faces, no. We have to also give grace and be marked by grace as well, amen? So if somebody does say, you know what, yes, walk with them like we talked about in the pursuit of holiness. Talk with them, check on them, journey with them, amen? Amen. Alone. So after, before we go on to this next step, it says alone. So after you confront that person alone, what does it say to do when they admit? Does it say to go tell everybody that you confronted this person, that they did this wrong, and now they apologize and everything's good? No. It just says, that's it. It's over. Why? Because gossip deteriorates unity. One of my other favorite proverbs, gossip dies at a wise person's ear. Woo, it's one of my favorites. Why does gossip die at a wise person's ear? If somebody tells me something about somebody that I love, I'm gonna go to them and tell them what this person is speaking. No. If you speak something to me negatively about somebody that I love, that's it, I'm not going to them and influencing them. I'm not tearing them down. I'm not gonna be a part of what the enemy is doing in their lives to just destroy their identity. Do you understand? So that's why it's so important to just do it alone. Ooh. 
two. Grab one or two unbiased people who are pursuing holiness in the body of Christ, not somebody who's going to co-sign your sinfulness, and go with that them to that person. That way, when the two of you are talking, they're a godly witness, holding both of you accountable to holiness, understanding that you're both trying to pursue Christ-likeness. Do you understand? So it's not you're grabbing somebody who's just going to be like, yeah, you see, you did that. No, you're going to grab somebody who will hold you accountable too. Because remember, primary pursuit is holiness, representing Jesus Christ. So I'm going to grab somebody like Willie Barker <laughs> who's going to say, uh, yeah, that's, nope, that's not right either. <laughs> right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes we need somebody in between us to work things out. And uh, thank you to Rob Minerando. Matthew 18, 19, check this out. How many times do we reference this? Matthew 18, 19, again, I say to you, if two or three of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done to you. Uh, it will be done for them in my Father's name, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. Right? For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. And we usually talk about that scripture with, like, coming together in prayer. Do you see where this is? It's right after Jesus gives the pattern and the design of how to confront one another. So everybody who is afraid to confront one another, Jesus says that he's with you. So you have no excuse. He says that when you and that person are alone, right? And I love this. I was like, oh, give me some more insight, Lord. He said, two. So when you go to that person alone, he's with you. Is that not awesome? So you have nothing to be afraid of because Jesus is with you. Then if there's three, he's still there. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Step three, you tell it to the church, right? So if this person continues, and it's not for the purpose of embarrassing this person, it is the, the purpose is to restore them to their identity. That's the thing is you could say, this is just my business. I don't want anybody in my business, but it stopped being just your business when you came into the family of Christ and you represent Christ. And now somebody came to you individually and then a bunch of, two or three people came to you with, with that other person. And now we have to rally around you because your life is at stake at that point. We have to proclaim who you are in Jesus. We need to come around you and say, no, you're not going that way. That's the wrong way to go. Do you understand? Not just it's for you, but it's also for the Lord. Because you are literally the way that he reveals his kingdom to the world. Do you understand? Ray, can you just put on, are you able to put on the keys? No? Or Brittany, whichever. I don't know if you guys have ever been a part of a body of Christ that operates this way. I know that I haven't. I know that this is the, the body of Christ that Jesus desires. This is the plan that he's given us. This is the way that he reveals his supernatural love to the earth, is us operating in these things with one another. 
This is how he will restore us being salt and light in this season. And the rea I, have, I have these a lot of ideas of why we got to this place and how we've gotten here as a church. Um, not our church, but the church at large. That's not really what I'm going to talk about, but we do have to understand and submit to this. And that is that we need each other. We need each other to walk these things out. We need to be committed to each other and to the body of Christ, even when it hurts, even when we make decisions that hurt ourselves and are called out on them, even when we hurt one another and we're called out on it, we still need to stay committed. We need to get sharp. We need to allow the process that God ordained in the body of Christ to take place to do so. We need to learn to take responsibility in our own sin, our own relationships with Jesus, so we can shine bright in the world as a community. We must operate as this. The Lord told me that today I would be like a wife proclaiming Sometimes Andrew will say something and I'll go to my kids. Did you just hear what your dad said? Come on, go do it. And the, the Lord said, that's how you're going to be today. That you have heard the Lord speak these things to you. To put down your anger. To allow your heart to be tender. You have heard him say these things. And that my voice is echoing to you what he has said. And guess what? I'm a good mom. <laughs> so when I do that, my kids respond. So I'm just hoping and praying that you do the same in Jesus' name. <laughs> this revelation of what the body of Christ is to look like, maybe to you, you know it. To me, it felt so new. It felt like it was tearing down this idea of church. This revelation for the past few weeks that I've given to you guys, this was all new to me. And I just really thank God that it's come here. And I, I thank God that he gave me the ability to speak it to you. And I truly believe that because he has unveiled it here, that he's going to do it here. That we're going to be a church that is spotless and glorious for his glory. That we will be an example to the world of what a church is meant to look like. I don't think it's, I mean, I really don't think that when we begin to walk in this and we are that salt and light, we're going to be drawing people. And I believe that other churches are going to say, what's going on? And you guys are going to be able to testify to the unity. You're going to be able to testify to the holiness that you're walking in. You're going to be able to testify to the peace and joy and the inheritance that you are actually walking in, that it's more than words, that it's deep in your bones, that it marks every step. I really truly believe, I said, Lord, I can't believe that you dropped this here in this little space with these people and he's going to do it. So I just pray in Jesus name that your hearts would be open wide for this. Lord, I 
Thank you for your deep abiding presence, the Holy Spirit living in us. You illuminate the path, Holy Spirit. You bring correction to us. You bring conviction to come up higher to what was purchased for us. Holy Spirit, I pray your deep conviction here for your people who are filled in every crevice of their body with holiness. Every fingertip, every toe, every hair on their head is filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for it, God, and I pray in Jesus' name that we would begin to have a deep conviction to walk in purity, first in ourselves and then with one another. I thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters here, the family that you have established and arranged, God. I pray, I pray that you would give us an awareness and a thankfulness every single day of the privilege that it is to be grafted into your family, that you took us off the streets, some of us literally, and placed us in palaces. in heavenly places, places we could have never got by our own works, because all we had was works of darkness. But now, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can have works of light. And God, we come before you repenting of allowing the works of darkness to persist in your body, Lord. Purge us. In Jesus' name, make us willing, Lord, to be purged. Make your bride operate spotless, blameless. I pray where there is division, where there is hurt, that the healer would come in. I pray where there is strife and anger, that it would be brought to its knees, that Satan would be crushed right now in Jesus' name, that brothers and sisters that have not spoken to each other, that they would be reunited today, Lord God. This is your desire. You are a good father who loves all his children equally. You desire them to be knit together, operating in unity. I pray you would break off fear of confrontation, fear of what other people think about you, fear of what other people think about themselves. I pray that those who deal and struggle with insecurity of what others think, that it would be broken off so that they can flow in this, Lord Jesus. Right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that fear would be crushed, that wall would be crushed in Jesus' name. I pray for those who have been silenced by insecurity, who are suffering in pain from things people have said to them, that their mouths would be loosed in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray you would tenderize our hearts to receive where we have hurt people, God.
Lord, that we would be convicted of it, God. That we would welcome your holy conviction, that we wouldn't be afraid of it, that we would understand that it is a good, great thing leading us into holiness to walk in what you purchased for us, God. Break off the spirit of gossip, spirit of offense. Give us new grace to overcome our flesh in these things. Rise up a deep conviction that we would love one another fearlessly, more than our own comforts. Help us die for one another, Lord. I pray for compassion. Lord, when someone hurts us, that we would have compassion for them. That we would see what it's doing to them to not operate in the love of Jesus. That our hearts would break as Jesus' heart broke. Jesus. How many times have we broke your heart? How many times have you forgiven us? I pray that that forgiveness would mark this body. That true unity and pursuit of the person of Jesus would come to pass here. That we would bring forth all of your thoughts inside of your mind, the head, Jesus, that your body would operate in, in action with each member operating as you've called them to operate, committed to one another, showing up, being there, functioning as you've called us to function. We thank you for it, Lord. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Um, if the prayer team could come up. If you have something that you feel that you need to uh, repent for within the body of Christ, things like that, I just want to have people available for you to do that. If you want fear of confrontation, if you want to pray that that would be broken off you. And look, there's still a process too. But God can do many things. So, if you feel uh, anger that you cannot get over, that you, you are afraid to touch those tender spots, you're afraid to put down your anger, come forward and receive prayer. And I just pray um, that this series has blessed you and that it marks us, and uh, that's it. Amen.